What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 47 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, 2019 has been an amazing year already with some incredible guests. Today will be no exception. Today, we get to sit down with Darlene Santour. Darlene is an amazing lady. She was just voted the most inspiring woman from the WNBA. She's an occupational therapist, business executive, author, speaker. She worked as a mental and performance coach with the Phoenix Suns, and she is making her mark. You're saying, I don't think I know her. You may know her as Coach Dar. She is a lady who is using the gifts that God has given her to make a mark in her generation. At the age of 25, she suffered a stroke, which would have set most people back for their careers, but not her. She got back up on her feet. She found the the grace that God was there for her during that season, and she continued to make her mark in this world and used what would be a valley to all as a stepping stone to the mountain that God had for her. So today, you are going to get so many great things. She is a spitfire, and she is a blast to spend time with. So I hope you'll pull up a chair, and I hope you'll listen in to my time with Coach Dar. Well, it is such an honor today to sit down with this amazing leader who's traveling across the country, Darlene Santor, but everybody knows you as Coach Dar. How in the world did a five foot two girl from Connecticut become Coach Dar? How did, tell me a little bit of the story. Walk me up a little bit. Oh, gosh, only God could create that, that I could be in sports like this. But uh, I started out as an occupational therapist, was taking care of patients and traumatic brain injury. And after years of doing that, I went on into business and was leading businesses, healthcare, uh, music, athletes, artists started to come into the mix. And over time of speaking and helping people, people just started to call me coach. And then it was coach Dar, because I think it was easier than remembering Darlene. And (laughs) honestly, people gave me the name. I didn't even create, you know, people go try to make their own brands. I didn't even do this. God did it because people just say coach Dar. And then I had a talk that was raise the bar. So it was raise the bar with coach Dar. And honestly, I still, I know that there are definitely some uh, athletes that I work with that don't even know my full name. I love that. So occupational therapy, was that something that began earlier in life? Didn't, didn't I read somewhere your grandparents, some of that was stirred up. Walk me a little bit through that story. Well, my mom and dad uh, had never gone to college and my dad was a tool maker. My mom was a hairdresser. They still live in the 1500 square foot house we grew up in. And my dad kind of said, I said, dad, I'm going to go to college. He's like, well, how are you going to do it? And what are you going to study? I'm like, I don't know. I know I want to help people. But my grandfather ended up 
having a stroke, unfortunately. And when the occupational therapist walked in to work on his cognition and his vision and help him overall with every aspect of his life, take what he was applying in rehab and apply it to his life, it just opened my eyes. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is the mind, body, and spirit. And this is how you could actually help people kind of find a new normal or get to a new level. So peak performance coaching that we hear now was really what we did then and helping people find a new normal, overcome adversity, uh, create new mindsets, which helps you go forward. And so that's where it started for me. And that's what I ended up going to school for. And I'm, I'm beyond grateful because it gave me the greatest foundation to be able to do what I'm doing now. What of that came most natural to you? So you go to school for it, you graduate, you get in it, you begin to ascend the ladder pretty quick. What, what came natural to you and what did you have to work at? What actually came natural, which I didn't realize was such a strength now that I see for leaders is establishing relationship and trust. And right from the beginning, when you walk in and you're seeing a patient, you have to one, make a quick assessment about how you're going to be able to approach them, help them, propel them, motivate them, overcome extreme odds, as well as their family. So you have to take kind of what would be a chaotic situation, create peace, get centered from it and focused and establish a relationship with them so they could trust you in the most difficult situation to know that you're going to help them through. So that is still something that's very natural for me uh, because I care about Mm. everyone. When I walk in, it's, I care so much about the person I'm with and I'm all in when I'm all in with someone like right now I'm all in on this because, and I, I, again, when you're only coming out of college, you don't realize that these are foundational skills. Um, And then what was hard for me, I would say is, Probably sometimes the aspects of when it has to end quickly Mm -hmm. and you know that they have to transition. I care so much for people that I know I want them to fly, but when it's time to fly, I'm excited for them, but I want to go with them. (laughs) Yeah. Can you almost care too much at times? Were there times that you felt like you almost got too intertwined in it? Yes. And I learned that as well too, because a mentor said to me, Dara is not your job to remove the boulder. It is your job to help them learn how to get over, around, to the side, help lead them, inspire inspire them, give them the tools. But if you remove the boulder, you take away them building the strength, and then you're going to hurt them in the future. So that was a powerful lesson for me. So you're living out life, you're occupational therapist, then you move into management, you move into executive leadership. And so you're you're climbing this ladder, you end up in Nashville. Yes. Tell me a little bit about now that you look back at it. So you are an executive in a healthcare company. You are helping with a record label. How has all of that helped make you who you are today? Well, what I came to, you know, that people think that is so crazy, but what essentially I was doing is I helped to really, I'm passionate about developing people and helping people get where they want to go. So if it's no matter what the business was, it was bringing people together around a unified vision and mission to create something that we're all in alignment on. And 
that's still what I get to do today, no matter whether I'm coaching a, in a sports team, an executive team, in a business, or an entrepreneur and creating their passion. So it was that developing of people to get where they are going. I help people win at the game of life. So where, wherever life is for them, business, on the football field, on a basketball court, in an arena, or in a boardroom, wherever, or, you know, just in relationships in life, just win by caring and developing great leaders first by becoming a great person. That's right. That's exactly right. And then here you are climbing and then you have a setback. Mm. You know, you, you've been working with people on getting over their setbacks and you have a massive setback physically. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about the stroke that you went through. The irony of this is the stroke happened while before I started to um, go into management, I had my stroke at the hospital while I was treating. And one, it was a Saturday and I was walking, I was 25 years old. I was married at the time. We had just bought the book, what to expect when you're expecting. I'm Italian, you better hurry up and start having a family. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, that day, the floor became the ceiling. The ceiling became the floor when I was walking. And I thought, whoa, what is going on? I literally could not see correctly. Perceptually, it was all messed up. I thought I had a sinus infection. So I called uh, my dad because my um, husband at the time was working. And I said, dad, you got to come pick me up. I think I have a sinus infection or the flu. And what I didn't know is I was bleeding in the brain. And I found out later because it was misdiagnosed as a tumor. There was all this, these issues around it. But I had gone to see a chiropractor uh, not long before that. And when they manipulated my neck, which this happens, it's a risk you take, but they ripped my vertebral artery to my brain. And that um, caused a stroke. And I lived with a blood clot in the base of my brain. And it kept me from being able to have kids, would put a huge stress on a relationship. And, you know, you go through adversity on top of the stroke, on top of that. And you're not making the best decisions after that because you're so just, I'm going to go live life now. And um, at that time, too, I didn't have the faith that I have now. But boy, when I look back, was this not the setup for the mm. greatest comeback of mm. life? It really was because it wasn't until after I climbed, um, moved up, was working in business. And it was when I decided to start my own practice, leave it all to go help people before it was too late. And God had already started creeping up in my heart around that time I was listening to podcasts from pastors, which I had never really listened to pastors. Yeah, they're before. not a real hot item, actually. For well, people don't just tune into pastors. That's right. They don't no. just tune into pastors for no reason. But now I actually, once I got convicted, I, I, I said to my friend, if you could have the best motivational speaker, best worship music and best lessons, you should go to church. I said, and go <laughs> see a pastor because it's like, it's the trifecta for getting. That's ready awesome. For so I'm, I'm all for everything you do every day, but truly that was when conviction came to me mm. and I've learned what to do and what not to do. I've learned from my mistakes and I've learned from uh, what did work. And I've been able to create that into a practice now and take the things that um, I needed and go forward. But boy, did God just open me wide open and really has allowed me to reach people in a much deeper way now. What, was there a point during that adversity? Because it's one thing to stand on the outside of adversity and for me to help you. Yes. But when I find myself in that storm and I find myself in those doubts and those questions, was it hard for you 
to navigate your way through? Were you able to get some outside help with people before? Because your faith piece hadn't even come together yet. Yes. How did you how did you navigate your way through that time? I think pain propels you mm. to seek a better way. Just like in the hospital when I would help patients. And that allowed me to find a way and I had great I ended up with putting great people around me and the, my mentors to this, they're 80, um, now, but, uh, I, I really s- was seeking the wisdom of them. And that's when the first Bible study happened for me. My sister mm-hmm. happened to meet them. The Bible that I carry today is the Bible she put down on the table in her kitchen. And that's where I had a Bible study with Mary and Vinny. <laughs> yep. That is their name. I love it. But they were the guiding light for me through adversity to help me find a better way, a healthier way, and a new normal that has been a catalyst for me in life. And my family, too. They are so strong and wise, and um, they're tough on you. You own up to what you do, and then you make changes. Uh, You do not become a victim. You become a victor, and it's all what you do with the adversity. So that's what I put around me. Are there times you look back and go, how in the world did I make it out of that? Are there times you look back, you tell your story all the time. I don't think I've listened to a podcast you've been on, read an article you've been in that you haven't talked about the story. Do you look back at it now and go, how in the heck did I get through that? Oh, I, I literally mean this. There was a time that after all of it had happened, kind of like what I call the crash. And that's when I stopped. Cause when I was starting my own practice, when you stop, you're no longer numbing yourself from dealing with things. And that's when you feel everything. And when you feel it, which is why I'm such a big component of people talking about things rather than numbing things. But when I, when that happened though, the pain was so profound about feeling all that had happened that I literally could not get up one day. I couldn't move my sister, I remember my sister coming over and I tell this story where she's like, get up. And I said, niece, her name's Denise. I said, niece, I know I need to get up. And I said, I just can't. And she said, God did not give you new life to isolate or go back to old ways. And I said, I know, I hear you. I just don't know how to do it. And she left and I cried. I literally cried. And I said, God, you have got to help me. If you're calling me to a new place, a new level and to lead people, I need your strength. Well, it's when there was blackberries then and my blackberry went off and I was getting devotionals then. Cause I was, again, it was like a new believer. Everything was, I was just pouring in this devotional came on a Saturday and it was only supposed to come Monday through Friday and it kept buzzing. And I finally picked it up and sure enough, it said it did not give you new life to isolate or go back to old ways. And I just said, give me, give me a sign. Give me something. Wow. And I just got up the next day. It was Sunday. I went to church. I, I mean, I, we, God and I had the most amazing conversation and honestly, I haven't looked back. It doesn't mean it hasn't been easy. I've had two more strokes since then, but, uh, and my last one was just, um, gosh, the end of May, mm. but all to say that when you could take all the things that you learn that have helped you, that have hurt you, and you could use it to make your test, your testimony, your mess, your message, and your pain, your purpose, it will propel you rather than pulling you back if you allow it and learn from it. Yeah, because people around you. That's exactly right. And I mean, you meet with so many people, because when when we're in a mess, 
it's the worst thing in the world. And the only thing we don't need somebody who's never been through anything. Yeah. Do you feel you would be as effective at what you do today if you had not been through that adversity that you walked through? You know, I don't think I'd have the level of empathy and understanding. I would try to be able to hear where they are and be there with them the best I could. But having helped, having had to help so many people through trauma, then having gone through trauma myself, both life, business, um, relationships, all of that. And I now have a way better understanding of what it means when you really can't move or what it means when you feel like giving up or what it means when you're trying to even navigate your own business. And, and how do you keep going when you're not sure how the next day is going to go? And that's when I say you pull, when I heard, I've heard this, I didn't create this. Um, you pull from your willpower. I mean, your why power rather than your willpower. So pull from your why power rather than your willpower. And that is your purpose and your mission. Great. So it leads me to the question, what do you think is your biggest why? So here you go. You travel the country. You're right. You're under, you're writing a book. You are on podcast. You're speaking. What's your why? Oh, I love this. I'm my why is this to awaken greatness and myself and others globally. So if my mission statement reads, my, my mission is to motivate, inspire, and awaken greatness in myself and others globally. So at the end of the day, when I'm called out of this world, I hope I'm sliding in on home in heaven. No, <laughs> on empty, I've given it all. And I could lay down every day and say, I helped awaken greatness in myself and others every single day with every person that came into my life. And awakening greatness is just helping people believe in themselves, helping them have the confidence um, believing in another day or leading with that purpose. But a, God gave us all a gift. It's our thank you back on how we show up and live it. And also we he, we literally all have greatness within us. It's just how much do you want to uncover it? Because it's way bigger than we could ever imagine. But the world teaches sometimes to doubt and, you know, there's negative self-talk. So every day trying to get people to just keep pulling out on that because if everyone could light up into their greatness and use their gifting, gosh, it's like, we're like light beams all over the world and we're elevating the energy and we're elevating other people's lives every day, just by showing up, doing what we're called to. If we, if you hadn't have met Christ and you wouldn't have found your way to Brentwood in Tennessee and you wouldn't have heard the podcast and gotten the devotions, what do you think would be different about you? What do you think will be different about your motivation for living and your motivation for helping? What would you say? I feel like I would have been at a five. Mm. uh, And I feel like I would not have been able to help myself or others in the capacity that I have. I would never have reached the levels that I have today, truly. And I don't know that I would be here today. I don't know what it would look like. And I just, I know that I would not have had or be having the impact I'm having without him. Um, because it is the Holy spirit truly is a guiding light. The word of God is, it literally is the, you know, Bible basic instructions before leaving earth. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. That's great. It is everything you need to know on how to lead uh, the greatest. It is not about confinement. It is actually about freedom and it's Mm. about doing life in the best way and leadership principles. It is all throughout. So I don't think truly that I would be where I am and having the impact I have had if I didn't find Christ. 
I, you know, I want to go back. <laughs> good. Yeah. Don't go back. Don't go back. The, the great thing is, as much as you're doing and as much as a life coach and a, and a personal coach can help people, we can only help people so much. And there's only so much that, that then there's just some things the Lord has to yeah. do himself. Yes. When you walk with people and you're in the, you're in the locker room with professional athletes, you yep. are in the boardroom with some of America's greatest companies. You were a life coach to executives and coaches themselves. Mm -hmm. How much does the word fear play in to keeping people from being all that they were created to be? They're striving for that greatness in their field and their occupation, but yet there's the self doubt and fear going on. How much do you see that in what you do? Honestly, every day, mm. truly. And I think if people were being honest, they would admit that there was a fear. And, and sometimes they'll say, well, gosh, I don't know what my fear is. Well, there's the moment that you might be on the field and you're going, can I pull this play out? Oh, all the pressure's on me on the mound right now, pitching. Um, I'm about to throw this free throw and the pressure's on me in this game right now. Um, oh, I've just been called up. Or I'm about to present you know, at the corporation, at my business. And I don't know, if, am I actually the right person to do this? Am I going to say the right thing? But what they're doing is they're really fearing what other people think they're fearing because you wouldn't have doubt in yourself if you didn't fear what other people thought. So we have to kind of keep moving to understand one that's negative self-talk and your mind doesn't always want you to win. So you have to train the mind to be able to say, you know, I'm going to take control of this. You say, thank you for sharing <laughs> what you're not negative self-talk, but I'm not going to own that today. It's getting conviction and it's having this kind of power over where your thoughts go. And either it could lead you or it could hold you back. And here you are, you help people all the time. Do you still struggle with it? Are there yeah. fears that keep recurring in your life? Oh yeah. I mean, every time I go to a new, another level, I mean, like you said, I'm a five, two Italian woman in a lot of professional sports where there's some people that don't believe a woman should be in sports at all. Right. Um, right. And, but to me, I look at it and say, if you break your leg and an orthopedic surgeon comes and works on you, do you care whether they're male or female race, religion, anything, if they're great at what they do, they work every day to be the best. Don't you want the best? So from the mindset life standpoint, and helping people, that's where I pull from my God confidence. Mm. If he put me there, then that means he knows that I could do it. And I just have to stay in faith of that and not let any doubt come into my mind of whether I should or shouldn't be doing what I'm doing at the place that I'm doing it. So, so here you are, you're in the middle of your career. You are achieving great things. I'm a fan from a distance. We've never gotten to meet till today, but I'm a fan from a distance. I see all that you're doing how do you continue to raise the bar? You've yeah. traveled, you've talked about raising the bar. How do you continue to raise the bar for you? Oh gosh, I feel like I have, like there's so much to still do, especially because I want to, I have this crazy goal to raise the bar for me is I want to be a billionaire, but I'm flipping the script on the word billionaire. I want billionaire to start meaning when someone says you're a billionaire, it means you've reached and impacted a, mil a billion lives. Mm. I want to lead with such impact and it's not just me, but like I said, if I could light up another individual and then they light up another individual, you know, I oversee pay it forward for our country, 
But I see this as a pay it forward that if I could inspire and I could help awaken greatness in one more individual and one more individual and do something that maybe takes them from doubt to confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. from hopeless to hopeful, um, from from feeling like they shouldn't and they want to call it out to so confident and passionate about life again. But if I could keep lighting up people that way and somehow reach a billion lives, then, then I will be truly, truly grateful for the impact that God's allowed me to do. But you know, sugar, it's reach for the stars. It's the BHAG. If I set a billion and I reach a few million, I mean, that's still good impact. And again, if I reach one life, but the goal is big for me because I want the bar to be set high because excellence and passion and a, having a standard that's so high for me, but that's motivates me. That's what keeps me going. So that means every day I have to show up, make sure that I'm as healthy as I can be, make sure that I'm giving all I can, making sure that everyone leaves a little bit better than they came and that they all felt love no matter who it was, whether it's a stranger in line. I hug everyone. So when people are afraid of hugs, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so used to hugging everyone. <laughs> you know, my mom, my mom had a theory, Coach Dar. Her theory was either hug it or dust it. Because <laughs> if you were alive, you're going to get a hug. That was her theory. It was a great, it. It was a great line. So anybody that came in her bank, they got a hug whether they wanted it or not. She's like, look, I'm either going to dust you or hug you. So I'd, you'd rather get a hug. Well, I mean, you can imagine when I come in the locker room, I'm giving seven two guys and I'm like, come here, bring it in. That's Give me a hug. <laughs> I mean, I'm not to their waist, but. I'm oh gonna- my gosh. I know nothing feels, so. I'll be with a professional team this weekend. Nothing feels less manly than when I hug and I'm in their armpit and they're just putting their arm around. I feel like a child. It's unbelievable. I'm so usually their armrest. Oh, it's unbelievable. So if I could have pushed pause and I could take coach Dar back to growing up in Connecticut as Darlene, and I would have seen you as a sophomore in high school. And I would have said, okay, I want to paint out what you're going to be doing when you're an adult. And this is what you're going to be doing. Would you have ever seen yourself doing that? No way. How come? I didn't know it was an option. Mm. I, I, I really, to be honest, growing up in a small town where I did, I knew I'd be helping people. And I knew I'd be working with a lot of people and probably speaking because I was, um, I was president of my class truly because I wanted to help be a voice for the people who didn't have a voice. I'm always for the underdog. Mm -hmm. I love helping people find a way to believe and achieve, but I didn't think it would be to this level ever. Now, my dad, when I was younger, I was supposed to be a boy and not a girl when I came out. So that already set me up for sports because we would watch the New York Giants on Sunday, the whole Italian family be over. And we, my uncles would come over back over on Wednesday and we'd rewatch film. Oh, so that's great. I have been playing. I played every sport he wanted. I've hunted, I've fished, I've done everything. I, and, you know, just by him having that, instilled in me and teaching me leadership through the way of of it it's really been I could see it all being part of the puzzle now Mm. but I didn't see it then he would have me on the field two hours after I'm like dad we've already been practicing (laughs) he's like it's perfect practice I don't want you learning bad habits (laughs) there's nothing like some fans breaking down film either that's a beautiful that is a beautiful thing crazy that's called crazy no I'm just kidding (laughs) I love that I love it so you talked earlier about Mary and Vinny and you talked about them being mentors to you. 
what would your life be like if you didn't have the two of them in it? I don't think I would have have had this deep of a faith that I do have been led to the a better way in life to lead, to live, and to walk out this. And also, they have such a uncon. They show love as close to what I feel I've been shown in front of me as Christ's love. This unconditional they love for everyone. No matter where they are, no matter when they tripped, they will see them through by this unconditional love that when you're around them, everyone that's ever been around them says there's just a peace and a joy. And I said, I want that. And that's the light of Christ that they have. But if we had to sum it up, it's that their unconditional love has allowed me to be able to pour out the love that I do. I love my family. But they're Italian, so you know they're very passionate. <laughs> Mary and Vinny showed me a different kind of love, um, and it's just different. And it's it's it was unbelievable. And I don't know that I, like I said, it's the people that you put around you. It's so important that you put the right mentors and people because they could help propel you to where God's calling you. I know you've talked about one of the keys you you talked about in an article was you need to cre- you need to create an inner circle. Yes. Would you consider them? part of that inner circle for you? Yes. And to this day too, Mm. very much. So I still call them when I have even leadership questions, I'll call them. So did they, did they achieve high areas of leadership in life? Um, Vinny had, had created his own company. Wow. And he had led a very successful company and was a very good leader. And Mary actually lived through the Holocaust And so she would share stories about, she was a very young child through the Holocaust, but the story she told me and what she's been able to achieve, she became a model in New York when they finally made it and were able to get to America. Um, But she lived in a hallway. They rented a hallway once they made it to New York out of the Holocaust. Um, And the things that she had to achieve and still to how they carry themselves today, it's, uh, I'm so blessed to be able to have had the wisdom learn the knowledge and apply the wisdom from them. And that's why I love, if anyone's listening, seek those that are both younger and older, have a mix in your circle so you could learn from the youth and you could learn from the elderly because everyone brings a perspective. Never doubt anyone or judge anyone for age, for anything. But um, especially though, those that are older, learn from their lessons, learn from what works, sit in and take time I used to work a little bit in assisted living uh, as well. And I used to love sitting after I would treat the patients because I would love to learn their stories. And I, to this day here in Scottsdale, one of my best friends is 94. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing like, oh when you hear, and, you, and when you hear people's stories, it just makes you appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And I remember years ago, there used to be a show on CBS, Charles Kuralt would go on, it was a Sunday night. He would yep. take a dart. He would throw over his shoulder. It would hit a town. He would drive to the town, open the phone book, find a name, call them. And when somebody would finally meet with them, they would have the most amazing story in the world. And they were just everyday people. What? And his whole, back the show. I know his whole thing was everybody has a story. I remember one night they had a, a lady and they had lost a child. And every year they went and let balloons go. And it was the most, you would think it was a movie and it was just a normal person 
and the principle of it was if we'll take time to hear people's stories, yes. it's amazing yes. how much more we'll love people yes. if we'll hear their stories. That's, I've been trying to find a new show to kind of pitch and put together. We might have just have to bring that back. That's awesome. Just give me just right at the end of the show, just put in the small the small print. Thank you, Mike Lynch. That's all you yeah. gotta do. Put it, that's all. I don't need to be on the show. Just just that little Wait, thing would be awesome. Any city, anytime. Well, you're you're gonna pull out way more than I could. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. So here's Coach Dar. You are looking ahead. You still got so much to do. The book. Tell me a little bit about the book. What are you wanting to accomplish with a book coming out? Really helping um, a lot of what we shared here, but it's helping level up people's mindsets and their life because the mind is so powerful. And I know it's the thing that's holding people back or propelling them forward and giving tips about helping really to level up your life. And it's the subtle things that you could start doing every single day that will help you so that you can have really awaken your greatness every day and reach levels. And I'm going to push you in the book and coach you about there is no settling for five every day. If you want to go for this, it's going for a 10 and you start training yourself all in the small things. Cause how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. So every day, your consistency matters. I mean, and, you know, as an occupational therapist, we're taught that the simple things, the basics are how you create excellence and how you create this great new normal. But people keep trying to go away from all these basics when every book, everything you learn, it comes down to the honestly the same principles. It's just how we deliver it. And that's why we keep listening to things because it's what sometimes you hear it a little bit different, but it all comes down to simple principles. And if we keep going back to these basic, simple principles and stay consistent on them, we will find continued success and fulfillment um, that goes beyond any other material thing you could ever have. When are you, when are you hoping to get that out? The stroke delayed this a little bit, so it'll be in 2019, but I don't have the exact month. Um, so we'll, we'll want to get you back on when that time okay. comes. Okay. And talk um, about the book. So you. you also lead a great movement with acts of kindness. Tell everybody a little bit about that. So, uh, Global Pay It Forward Day is April 28th every year. I'm the United States ambassador. Again, another God thing. I got a call, I think it was four or maybe five years ago. Gentleman who started in Australia after the book was written, he thought, what if a few people could follow this model of three people do things for three people, what the ripple effect it could be? Well, it went from Australia to now global. And there's 85 countries that come wow. together every single day, every single year. And it's for us to kind of, educate and inspire people to say this is how it should be every day but on that day it's as if a kindness bomb is dropped in the world ripples I mean unbelievable acts of kindness happen around the globe in one day and which lives on and why pay it forward lives on every single day but when and we did 20 million acts of kindness collectively wow. and when I say this globally I mean people in Saudi Arabia people in Brazil Australia um, all over the world. And it shows that at the end of the day, people just want to love and they want to be loved. And that if you take judgment, judgment away and you go and care and do an act of kindness for someone every single day, all the time being other centered, watch what will happen. And it shifts, like John says, the me to we, John Gordon. Um, it's just really getting people to go from me to we and every day 
I live and I try to teach people in this, um, from this platform, which is all volunteer based by everyone. And it takes a massive amount of people to do this, but every day, how are you showing up? How are you being other centered? It's not about, by the way, we didn't get this life so that we could live it. We got this life because God's asking us to show up to do something for others. That's right. The world gets confused of going, how much can I have? How much could they do for me? No. How much could you give and how much could you do for others? And that's where pay it forward um, really grows its momentum because it's about being other centered. So April 28th, uh, keep following the movement. You could go to um, globalpayitforwardday.com and find out more about it. But, but even beyond the day, I just really want people to think about if you see someone in need or you could help someone out or make their day better, do it. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You may never get that chance. And what if that was the one thing that turned their life around? One day, all of us will stand before the Lord and we'll all get that opportunity for him to look at our lives. And we are, we as believers are judged for what we did with the gifts and abilities that God gave us, not for our sins. The sins have been dealt with. We, we know that. What do you want the Lord to say to coach Dar at the end of those days? What would you want? Good job. Mm Thank you for being the extension, hands and feet that we so much needed in the world. Thank you for being a light and for showing love. Um, You know, good job, my good and faithful servant. Truly, just to know that I, whatever he gave me, I used it all up. That's why I say I want to go in sliding home, being on empty. That there was no more to give and that everything I gave to the last breath uh, was for the Lord. And which was really then for helping another life. Because I, I want to grow in my life, but really I want to grow. And if there's any financial wellness that ever comes and physical wellness at any type of it, it's because I just want to share it with other people. I don't want to do this by myself or what, it's no fun to do anything. You know, you're sharing a good meal. You want to turn to someone and say, is that not delicious? Yep. Or you have something you want to share it with someone. Life is meant to be shared. I hope you enjoyed that time today with Coach Dar. You know, every time we meet, I always try to think of a word. Sometimes I have one. Sometimes I have many. The word I have for Coach Dar is resilient. She is resilient. She took a tragedy and turned it into a triumph. She took her mess, as many have said, and turned it into her message. He, she took her scars and let it be her story. And we are all blessed by that. What a lesson for all of us. When life hits us with something that we don't see coming, when life comes at us with something that we didn't bargain for, when we are faced with something that could turn us bitter, as my good uh, mentor and friend Ike Reichard would say, let it make us better. Coach Dar, thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for sharing your gifts because you are making a difference from basketball to the boardroom. You're making a difference. And we're honored to have been a part of your journey. And I can't wait to have her on again, because I know she's going to continue to make her mark in this world. Thank you, Coach Dar. You blessed me. And I think I can say for all of us, you blessed all of us. Well, in our next episode, we get to sit down with a gentleman who is one of the most brilliant minds 
that I have ever sat down with. His name is Dan Ryland. He's the executive pastor of 12 Stone Church, uh, one of the largest churches in America. He was also the executive, really the first executive pastor I've ever heard of at Skyline Wesleyan in San Diego for John Maxwell. You are going to be blown away by his mind and his intellect and his ability to process. And it's going to be one of those episodes that's a must listen with a notebook and a pen, because I'm telling you, Dan Ryland brings the goods and you're going to enjoy it. If you're not, if you're in the business world and not in the church world, you're not familiar with Dan, you will be when we get done because he is amazing. So until then, go be the leader that you were created to be. If you enjoy these episodes of Lynch with a Leader, go on iTunes, leave us a review. It would mean a ton to me, and it would mean a ton for others that may not know about it yet, that can be blessed by it as they move forward to be the leaders that God created them to be. So once again, thanks for joining us today. And until next time, use your gifts, use your valleys, and use your mountaintops to help someone else in their journey. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.